You're listening to What Were You Thinking? with Eric McCoy and Morella McCoy, only on LA Talk Radio. Hey, this is Eric McCoy, and welcome back to What Were You Thinking? And of course, I'm here with my beautiful wife, Mireya McCoy. You said that beautifully. Isn't Thank that good? you, Mireya McCoy. <laughs> For those of you who know me as Morella, it's actually Mireya. Yeah, Mireya. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, hey, we got actually a really good, exciting episode today, and I want to uh, introduce everybody. We got Richard Kaufman, who's on the phone with us. He is the comeback coach, and he is also the host of a podcast called Vertical Momentum. Yep. Vertical Momentum. (laughs) Richard, how you doing, man? I'm truly blessed. God has given me another day to be a father and a husband, so I'm truly blessed. Amen to that. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. And uh, hey, I know you uh, you had kind of made the comment you're very humbled to be on the show, and I want to actually know, I want you to know, man, this that this show will never be anything without you or, or other people out there that you know are participating in this show, and I really appreciate you doing this, man. Oh, it's, it's my it's my honor. I'm I'm very. Like I said, I'm very humbled and grateful just to, you know, be able to um, hopefully help that one person out there tonight. Yes. Struggling with. Absolutely. And, you know, so we were talking a little bit and, and, you know, the topic that we wanted to sort of roll into was healing PTSD, you know, and, and some of the struggles. And I know with you, you know, you actually have a free service and you actually help people. I mean, that, that's what your uh, what your target is. And uh, you why, know, don't, why don't you say what PTSD is? There might be some people who may not know what the acronym is. Okay, it's uh, yeah, post traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And Richard, I wanted to actually bring something up. So, my wife, Mideya, <laughs> great, now I was, gonna... <laughs> I was, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's no, fine as long as it's not that hard D sound. Yeah, um, we were actually talking about this, you know, and when we look at the symptoms of you know post traumatic stress disorder, you know, you've got like reliving the experience, avoiding the experience, or the you know, increased arousal. And Richard, I want to get your get your insight onto something here. And so, when we were before we actually started the show, we were talking a little bit about with substance abuse and with the idea of the you know increased arousal. You know that when we're out there doing drugs and we do a lot of the bad things sometimes that we do, and the the experiences we have that we get, um, and then we get clean and sober. And then you go back to those environments or you go back to those places and all of a sudden your, you know, your stomach crunches up, you get those horrible feelings, you know, that come about. That's similar to what we're talking about, right? Exactly. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I've been clean. I think I just hit 33 years or something stupid. Damn. Um, That's amazing. uh, But after (laughs) after 20, it's just like, yeah, who's counting? But, you know, sometimes... You know, if I have a certain smell or, you know, anything like that, it brings you right back to that time. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much the same exact thing. It's just they just put a different name to it. Yeah, absolutely. I had, um, you know, one of the situations that I've had put myself into and one of the, the things that I've experienced is, and I guess you can kind of relate this to a lot of guilt and really that, you know, that horrible stomach feeling when I think about it, you know, is um, my, 
one of my best friends, you know, when I had relapsed, I ended up, you know, introducing him back to methamphetamine. He had, he had 10 years clean and sober, um, after I had relapsed. And of course I put him in that. And of course he followed down these, you know, additional steps and ended up with 10 years, eight months in, in state prison, mm -hmm. you know, as a result of those choices or with my wife, even when I had relapsed, we weren't actually married at the time, but when I, when we relapsed, you know, I introduced her to the syringe and the needle and doing it in that fashion. And, and, you know, and these are things that, again, once I think about those things, I just get that horrible feeling in my gut. Yeah. And, and I totally get it. That's where, like, you know, I did a post the other day. Um, the three most, the, the best way to change your life within the next 30 days is to do three things. One is forgive all the people that have hurt you in the past. Mm -hmm. Two, ask for forgiveness for all the people you've hurt. And the most important and the hardest thing of all is to forgive yourself yeah. for mm -hmm. everything that happens. Because you can't run on a treadmill if, you're just, if you just have a rucksack in the back and you just keep on piling it on. Yeah. The, the, the rucksack is going to make you stop moving and stop running. So you eventually have to get rid of all that stuff in order to move on in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do know, I mean, forgiving yourself is, you know, as you said, the most important, but also the most difficult. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Because like, you know, I have forgiven Eric. I know that his friend has forgiven him, has, you know, all that kind of stuff. But to know that he still struggles with that, that guilt at times, you know, gets that sick feeling, you know, it, it, there's really nothing more that either myself or his friend can do to, to say, we're good, we're fine. We, you yeah. know, we, we made our own choices from that point forward, you know, um, but of course we all have that kind of, we all have a little bit of time in our lives where we go, okay, yeah, we didn't do this great thing and we need to forgive ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that. Now, I know, uh, Richard, you know, we had, uh, when you were on my podcast, and again, for people that want to hear a story in, in much more detail, go to uh, High Wall Clean, and you can find the podcast that we had done. Do you know uh, what episode number that was? Mm, I, 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 don't I don't know off the remember. top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Just look it up, Richard Kaufman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, one thing we had actually talked about, I know, you know, you had, had dealt with um, serious brain injury. And yeah, uh, I have, I actually have a traumatic, traumatic brain injury. Um, so, you know, and I, I, I deal with it. Um, you know, there's certain struggles that I, I, that I deal with, you know, like if, if I, um, I have to read a page like five or six times in order to get it hmm. or me and my wife will be talking and, and I'll be like, you know, that little rubber thing that they, you know, that, you know, the kids play with <laughs> not trying to get the word ball out, <laughs> but <laughs> my mind won't let it so things like that you know and people don't realize that you know you can have a brain injury and it doesn't have to you know be like mine was it can be you know even when you're if you're a child falling off your bike you know you can get a brain injury or playing sports you know so you know there's a lot of people that are walking around there uh, walking around with traumatic brain injuries and they don't even know it yeah i know even you know with serious like whiplash in a car yeah. You can actually yeah, cause because, brain injury. Because your, your brain is just jello. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just floating in jello. And you don't realize that your brain can be bruised and you won't even realize it until years and years later. Yeah. 
Yeah, it. You know, I think back on my past. I, I think I'd mentioned this when we were on, on when you were on my show. You know, I had uh, I had numerous cases throughout my life where I had some serious head injuries myself. You know, when I was 19 years old, I was hit really hard by somebody punching me and it literally blacked me out and i landed on my head i had like a two inch contusion that stuck out i came to find out many years later that that contusion actually caused what was called a uh, an avm arterial vesicular malformation which is a lesion in your brain and um and that resulted in 94 i had a grand mal seizure um in 98, I had another grand mal seizure. I was driving 70 miles an hour down the freeway. And then in 2002, after I'd been arrested four times in six months, I was in uh, custody and I was sleeping on a top bunk. I had a seizure. I rolled off. I landed on my, my head and cracked my skull. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think back on this and, and we were, I was kind of saying, I was like, I don't even, how much of a brain do I actually have left? <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, and now that Richard's saying that, I mean, just forgetting, you know, what we would call, quote unquote, a simple word like ball. It's not so simple when you've had these, you know, uh, brain injuries. So I can kind of see that you may have a little bit, you know, and not in a bad you're, way. You're like, now I understand. Now I, <laughs> not, not in a bad way, but because there's some things that you, we will literally just talk about and you'll ask me five, ten minutes yeah. later and forget that we had that discussion. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing I already knew about all these little, you know, little injuries that you've had, um, not little, but these, you know, injuries and the seizures that you had had. And so now it makes a little bit more sense the way that mm-hmm. the way that Richard described him and his wife's discussion just on yeah. talking about a ball, you know. Yeah. So thank you for that, Richard. It's a little bit of an eye opener for me. I just thought he was ignoring <laughs> it was selective hearing. And maybe it still is. We don't yeah. know. But you know Well, and on the flip side of that, Richard, we could probably say that maybe it knocked ourselves in you know, knocked sense into us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I guess my wife would differ on that. <laughs> I think you and your, your wife and I would get along perfectly. <laughs> so how's your um, so how is your um, your podcast going and your and your uh, your comeback coaching? It's going great. Um, I can't wait to release. Remember, I did an episode with you. Yes, and that's going to be soon. Um, and it's going really well. We're, we're ranked in. Uh, we just got ranked in the top one hundred. Mm. podcast nice. in the United States, um, cool. you know, but it's changing lives. And that's my whole goal is to, uh, you know, that's one thing, you know, about being in recovery and it's something I struggle with too. Uh, you know, I'm always looking at paying it forward, mm-hmm. but sometimes you, you got to pay the bills too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, We're in the same page. Struggle <laughs> and so, you know, thinking, all right, I got, you know, right now I'm doing everything, you know, but now I have a team and event, you know, we're now we're starting to grow. So mm-hmm. now it's being, being able to help more people, but, you know, try to have money coming in. So that's why we just came out with our, uh, it'll be dropping next week. Uh, brand new coffee called vertical momentum coffee, high octane coffee. Ooh, really? Huh? Can you order that yep. online? <laughs> yep. You said it'll be uh, ready next week and I don't make a dollar off it. It's just going to go to help my team. That's awesome. uh, everything I do is not to make any money for myself. It's to take care of the team. That's, and so we can get the message out there even more. Yeah. It's absolutely. just about you know, impact. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that, that that's like ours, um, mine and Eric's goal too, is, 
is we've had these, you know, life experiences that, you know, we just want to help reach out to the world. And, and, mm -hmm. and if, like you said, if it just helps that one person, even just to plant the seed, um, you know, that's, that, that's, that's a win in my book. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so we were talking about this, uh, this PTSD and really like, I think there's a lot of people out there that may have it and not even know that they have it. Um, you know, because a lot of them don't want to seek the help or, you know, those kind of things. And, and so it's good to know that they have a, you know, place to go where they, they don't have to worry about whether or not they can financially financially pay for it you know and and that kind of stuff so that's that's amazing um you know very very excited to even be a, talking to somebody who's in the same page as we are you know well i think and i and i think that's important for people to be aware of is that you know there are there are quite a few people out there you know that are good people to go through that you can reach out to that are willing to help you right um and you know and it's not all about the buck right Yep, it, it's true, you know, and like, I, by the way, guys, I'm only a ninth grade dropout, so mm -hmm. I am not a professional whatsoever, you know, but I've interviewed over 360 professionals, mm -hmm. and the only thing I find that is, it, when an adult acts out, it's usually because of trauma mm -hmm. that happened between the ages of three and 13, and then some, most of the time, you had alcohol or drugs to the mix, and it becomes a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And nobody can really pull somebody out of the perfect storm unless they've been there. Right. And right. that's, I think me and you do so well, is we've been there, done that, threw the t-shirt away, and now we're reaching our hands down and helping pull others, pull other people out of the fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's the, you know, I mean, you got the book knowledge, but the life experience, you know, is, is a big part to this. Absolutely, 100%. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, and I wanted to ask you a question and see what your thoughts were on this. So you said a lot of the trauma comes between the age three, three and 13. So my story, you know, is that I was sexually abused from the, from the time I was uh, five, six years old to the time I was about 13 when I finally came out and told... Um, family about what was going on and um you know and i became after 13 promiscuous started doing drugs started you know that kind of stuff um got clean and sober at 18 so i was you know pretty young still um before my relapse and what i was telling eric was was really i thought i had dealt with the trauma of the abuse right and a lot of things that happened with that abuse, too, was once I did come out, it got even worse because there was family split in the middle. Some believed me, some didn't. Some didn't know what side to take. So they kind of estranged from me, you know, those kind of things. And um, and so I thought years into this that I had dealt with the trauma. I was good until about four years ago when my mom passed away. When my mother passed away, I was just about to lose my lose my mind. I, I was I was starting to feel suicidal. I was barely functioning. You know, this it was it was really tough. So six months after my mom passed away, I decided I needed to get some help. I, I needed to start living again and I had to get out of this hole, if not for me, for my children. And so through that through that therapy not just the experience of my mom's death, but the trauma of everything that I had experienced 
prior, you know, growing up with the sexual abuse came out into, you know, came out into the open. And it really turned out to the fact that because the one basis in my life, which was my mother, who was the constant, the only thing that was always there to support me, to love me, you know, that kind of stuff was no longer there. And I didn't know how to stand on my own two feet without my mom because I had never fully dealt with that trauma. So when we were talking about and reading about what exactly is PTSD and how does that correlate into people's lives, I started thinking, could I have had this PTSD that I had pushed down to the point where it was like, I'm fine, I'm dealing with life, everything's good, until my mom passes away and then the floodgates opened up and everything came out, you know, my my relationship with my father, my relationship with my family, you know, my, my kids, how well, you know, it was so much that came out. It was a lot of work, you know, thank you to Jesus for, you know, helping me through that. But could that have been a form of PTSD because it was trauma and dealt with? Well, now, I mean, I'm going to kind of blow your mind here, but... <laughs> we like know, that. <laughs> post-traumatic stress. It, at one time, it was a disorder. But for you, now it's post-traumatic growth. Oh. So, you, so you're growing. Yeah. From what you went through because you dealt with it, mm-hmm. you know, and so now instead of uh, instead of me, I don't call it for myself PTSD. I call it post-traumatic growth I like because that. now it's post. It means I don't have to live there anymore, mm-hmm. you know, so now we get to grow because of what happened to us. You know, one of my my mentors, his name is Mr. Ed Milet. Um, he always says that. You know, no matter what happened in your life, that things happen for you. They don't happen to you. Mm -hmm. And there was a reason why things happened to us. And God will never waste a hurt. He will give you beauty for ashes. So now you are post-traumatic growth. I love that. I love that. Well, and, and I, I think, do, I do feel like I have grown so much in the last four years. Mm-hmm. And, and it really was that cognitive behavioral therapy that I received mm-hmm. from an amazing therapist. Thank God she was just patient as all patients because there was times I'd call her up and be like, I quit. I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. I just can't deal with it. And so it was it was it was amazing. So I like that, that growth. Yeah. And I think I've grown a lot in the last in the last four or five years. You know, and I and I, you know, think about this all the time. And, you know, like my book, Pain, Failure and Misery are the stepping stones to success. You know, I tell clients that I work with, you know, all the time that, you know, I'm glad you guys had all the pain. I'm glad you had the suffering. I'm glad you went through all this stuff because now you're here today. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're in a place to where you get an opportunity to look at yourself, work on yourself, love yourself, care about yourself, you know, work on your self-esteem because without all of those things, you would never be doing this. Mm-hmm. And I love that flip on that mindset. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everything is mindset. And, you know, as I'm learning more, Everything is in your mind. You know, you can choose either to live those memories over and over again, or because I'm an old fart, um, <laughs> you could take out the tape and replace it with a new positive tape. You don't mm-hmm. have to listen. You don't have to watch that old DVD over and over again. You can replace it with more positive stuff. Yeah. You're not that so, old I if you said my- tape and not eight track. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm close. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, you know, do you have problems? 
or do you have opportunities? Right. Right. right? Uh-huh. And that's, you know, and I think that's such a, a cool way of thinking of stuff because, you know, every situation or thing that you have to deal with in life can be a learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that, that you've gone through can just be one more notch up of, of a lesson. Of another lesson, yeah. And I think like what I did today really kind of shows where I am today versus where I was five years ago because um, my grandmother passed away and was her services today. And I, the only people that really came to her funeral were mostly family and who already knew about the whole situation that happened you know, years ago. I don't want to say my age, but I was 13. So it was a long time ago. Um, and I stood up in front of the family and I said, you know, unfortunately I did not have the relationship that a granddaughter should have with a grandmother due to circumstances that were outside of her control because the abuser was her husband, my grandfather. And, and I said, but I am thankful today to be able to be here at her funeral and see her a couple days before she passed and whispered in her ear to go at peace because I do not hold any resentment towards her. I was able to let her know that there was no resentment towards her, that I loved her and that she should go at, go in peace to go be with my mom. Um, and, and so I was really kind of proud of myself for being brave to stand in front of my aunts and uncles where there was that split in the family and be able to say that to all of them to say, I don't hold any resentment, mm. you know? And, and so to me it was, it was a, it was a source of healing for myself because it's true. I don't hold any, res- hold any resentment, but it was also good for them to know that mm-hmm. whatever yeah, like, choices they made, I had no resentment. For instance, like just this weekend, I went to go visit my son in college. He's kicking ass and, at Coastal Carolina, go chance. Uh, but, and I got to visit my dad who's um, battling pancreatic cancer. And I got to visit with my mom. And my mom was an addict when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But now she's got 28 years clean. And she sat down and did one of her steps with me. And we finally forgave each other. Beautiful. After all these. And it feels like my whole life, just in this weekend, as a big load has been lifted off because you know i told her i forgive you and you know and even though i did my steps before but this time you know as a 53 year old man it's a lot different saying you know mom i'm sorry please forgive me Mm -hmm. so you know having that forgiveness and asking for forgiveness really takes that load off your off your shoulders it really does it really does because you know for me it wasn't it wasn't about forgiveness i think a lot of that estrangement came from me, I didn't want anything to do with my family. I thought they had turned their backs on me. And at 13 years old, you don't really know really what's going on. You just go with whatever your brain's telling you, right? And so it was really, it was really a source of peace for me, mm. you know. Um, and it's nice. It's nice. It does feel like a load's lifted off my shoulder. That that elephant's no longer in the room when I'm around my family. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're all looking at me like, oh, she was the one that was abused and caused this chaos in my family. You know. Um, and so it was it was really refreshing. It's really refreshing to forgive forgive each other and and you know I and like I always tell everybody I lost the the love my love my mother my my confident my everything mm-hmm. but I gained a father. A relationship I did not have with a father at all. 
um, that I would not have today if I hadn't got that therapy and worked through a lot of the issues that I had. Yeah. I, you know, loss, death. I mean, we kind of talked about this last week on the show. We were talking about grief and loss mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, you know, especially the loss of a really close person to you, mm-hmm. um, is very traumatic. Right. You know, I was kind of saying, you know, my grandmother, you know, who was the closest person to me, you know, when she passed away, I mean, it was the most traumatic thing in the world. Now, granted, I wasn't clean and sober at the time, so it gave me one more excuse to use a lot more drugs, right. you know, but, but then of course, you know, drug use is not constant. Eventually you do have to stop and, and then you get to feel, you know, yeah. and then you get to feel it extra, you know, <laughs> and, uh, that, and that, that makes it tough. Well, I always wondered too, and I think I mentioned this earlier, um, and I think, I think Eric kind of answered it as, yeah, I think it works both ways. But does PTSD lead to drug use or does drug use lead to PTSD? Yeah, and I think both. I think it could be either way. Right, right. What do you think, Richard? I think it can go either way. Mm -hmm. For me, unfortunately, I got my post-traumatic stress after I was clean and sober. Um, So, And I couldn't use drugs to numb the pain. Mm. So that's what really sucked is when you know you have (laughs) post-traumatic stress, but you don't want to take medications for it. So that was one of my biggest struggles because here I am, you know, like I have a lot of people that come on my show and, you know, we talk about different stuff and, um, you know, CBD is a big thing right now. And I've interviewed people about it, but people are like, you know, why don't you just take some CBD? And I'm like, you don't understand, you know? I got 33 years. I'm not going back to day one for a gummy. Well, you know they you know do. They, I mean? you know they do have CBD that does not have THC in it. But unfortunately, if you re- if you really read it, it's like one percent. It it's like point. It does still have some. Okay. It's like it's so like the, it's like non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got like a point something something of THC. Okay. Um, and I yeah. hear and I hear what you're saying. I've I use um, well, I haven't used in a while um, CBD, and it is really really great for pain. But I had a long conversation with Eric before I started you you know buying the CBD because I wanted to make sure he was comfortable, I was comfortable with being able to bring this into our house and you know that kind of stuff. And and it really did work really well for me. I just stopped buying it because it got expensive. Yeah. But um but it, it and plus the pain started to feel better. But well and I think, you know, for for all of us, you know, especially the, those of us that are in recovery, you know, we do have to think about a lot of that stuff. You know, I'm a big fan of harm reduction. I'm a big fan of, you know, you know, all kinds of different programs, you know, uh, even, you know, medication, you know, the maintenance programs. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of those things. Now I don't do any of those things and I wouldn't do any of those things because I know me, <laughs> you know, I, I have a tendency of not having a great shut off switch. I mean, if it works for you, great. Um, that's not for me. You know, I interviewed <clears throat> Tommy Chong yesterday on, um, uh, on our new podcast, walk a mile in my shoes. And it was such an amazing absolutely amazing show tommy chong is an amazing guy he has uh, a beautiful mind you and know yes, folks he's talking about cheech and chong chong yes yes <laughs> cheech and chong chong um and you know and it goes and i wanted to actually i'm glad i brought this up real quick because you know we were talking about how 
you know, your mindset, how you view things, you know, can, can alter the way you feel or the way that you deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and I, and I, and I hope everybody, you know, watching checks out this show. It, it's again, it's on, um, it's not on high wall clean. <laughs> it's on, it's on my other show, walk a mile in my shoes, which is more directed towards hate. But, um, you know, he was, he, you know, he had gone through this whole situation in 2003 where he was arrested by the DEA. He was sentenced to federal prison for nine months. There was a lot of shady stuff with the, with the federal government behind all of that stuff. Um, and it almost was like a setup in the way that it all transpired. But what, what I, what I loved about him was just how he is and how he, you know, he was just like, you know what, there's just another experience I get to deal with. And, and, you know, some people don't get to experience this in life and, <laughs> you know, and here I go. Right. And know, I kind think of a thing. lot of people, they don't see it as an experience while it's happening. Um, you know, and unfortunately, even after things get better and stuff like that, they're, they don't see it as a form of growth. Mm-hmm. you know and so it's it is it's it, that's what people need to start seeing like all these things that happen you know in your life they're 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 growth opportunities mm-hmm. you know yeah. and so i like i love that it's like what you, you said growth. richard <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so it's well, you know like, like i lost i went 80 percent blind on my birthday last two years ago and and now you know, things are starting to get back and I'm actually starting to drive again. But you don't realize what you lost until you lose it. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, it's kind of like once you start, like you said, once you start feeling a little bit better about things, you kind of forget where you were just two years ago. So I think a lot of, you know, I, I and if you, I definitely, I'm going to show you, I'm going to send you a podcast that I, 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 I released today. I think you guys would be interested in, and I'm not plugging my show by any means. No, anyway. no plug, plug, away. plug your show, man. <laughs> plug it, plug away, man. <laughs> well, this, is, this is the other podcast that I have. Um, but it was a, a gentleman named Paul Akins, and he talks about how he was sexually abused by a priest from the ages of three, I mean, 13, from eight to 18, mm-hmm. and how he came it, and how it's hard, you know, how hard it is for a man to come out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that too. Absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of don't realize, you know, like people that are listening, if you guys have kids, just listen to this stat. On average, 5,000 adolescents attempt suicide every day. Wow. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Hey, uh, Richard, hang on one second. We're going to cut to a commercial real quick. Um, I love (laughs) So hang on one second. People I love lost faith in me. I lost faith in me and I lost my faith. Uh, I lost hope. I tried AA, but it just wasn't enough. I needed something that would help me for the rest of my life. I needed a nurturing environment that would help me understand what I was running from. His house, New Creation, gave me that. I found purpose, meaning, ultimately a career helping others. Recovery is a process and I'm grateful for the journey His house, New Creation helped me discover. True recovery really does begin at His house. And new creation can be reached at area code 877-368-7195. Again, that's new creation detox and treatment center. Okay, Richard, I got a question for you. <clears throat> I want to ask, right, I want to ask you a question here. So based on the issue, the brain injury that you went through, give me a positive twist to it for you. 
I can hide my own Easter eggs. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I love it. <laughs> no, it's just it makes me concentrate on things more. Um, it makes me like when my wife is talking to me, I put down the phone. Um, I look no. at her and I watch her lips and I pay attention to her. You know, I, it, teach, it teaches me how to focus my attention and become an active listener instead of just hearing. Mm. Uh, and and remind, um, remind me real quick and, and uh, share, share your story real quick. So what, was, what caused the brain injury? Well, I was, I, I was in, a, everybody knows what a Humvee looks like, hopefully. Um, our, one of our vehicles broke down on the side of the road and I had to pull off the road and back it up so I can help pull this other vehicle. And it was a young, a young guy that was, it was his first drill with us. And it was a young private. And as I'm backing him up, um, you know, we use hand and arm signals, but I guess cause he was new and I gave him the arm, the hand and arm signal to, um, to slow down. And instead of him hitting the brakes, he hit the gas mm. and ran over my head and the whole right side of my body. Mm. And it caused me to have an ocular stroke. Mm. So that's what caused the brain injury and the blindness. Mm. So how, how long after, um, you know, during the recovery of this and, and all that, did you start to see this more as an opportunity to to grow and, and, and to see this as an experience. I mean, did you go through just anger and guilt and all the other stuff that comes along with, you know, now my life has changed to completely than where I wanted it to go to, I want to, I want to use this experience to teach others. Well, uh, you know, of course I went through the, you know, the wise me, the poor, poor, poor me, mm -hmm. why this happened to me. Um, and then, because in the military, if you can't see, you can't shoot, so they don't right. need you. <laughs> right. And they retired me out, and um, they retired me out on Memorial Day 2012, and that was the day that I attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, thank God it didn't go through. And and you, had, uh, you had other I, things to do. <laughs> and I, you know, after a suicide attempt, my wife doesn't even really know about it. But um, I got to, I, to her and I told her, honey, I need help mm -hmm. or I'm going to go home eat my gun. Mm -hmm. And we got me help. And thank God um, I've been seeing the same therapist for 12 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a great therapist, but uh, her name is kind of funny. So I know you're going to laugh. I did too when I first heard it. Her name is Dr. Seuss. Oh, nice. really? Wonderful. I love it. I told my wife, I said, guess what? Dr. Seuss is my therapist. <laughs> yeah, we kind of about that. But she's been in ther my therapist for 12 years. So if you guys are listening to this, get a therapist. It's the greatest thing you can actually do. Yeah. I, I'm a 100% advocate for therapy. Mm -hmm. um, what it did to me in the last, you know, four years ago is I, I, I try to get everybody and anybody to do that because it is such a growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, therapy is therapy is powerful. And while I was in, they they called the Warrior Transition Unit. Um, I just started reading a lot of 
books on self-help and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I kept hearing about this guy Gary Vaynerchuk Gary Vaynerchuk so I one I found out one day that he lived like 20 minutes from me so I just showed up at his father's house oh. waited for him and then we just had a conversation and that was how the whole comeback coach thing started it was all because of Gary Gary Vaynerchuk Wow, wow, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I know a lot of people out there, you know, think therapy's bullshit, counseling's bullshit, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, honestly, I think, and I used to think that way too many, many years ago, you know, when I was, you know, newly, newly getting out of custody and stuff like that. But I think for the first time in my life, I actually did it. I mean, I mm-hmm. think, you know, again, there's a difference between you a have- lot of people just going in and just, you know, kind of work it, you know, gumming the stuff and, but you have to really do it. You know, you have to really get involved. You have to really be open and honest, which I never wanted to do. And I actually never felt comfortable doing, um, until I did decide, you know what, nothing else working. I'm going to try this this time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and for me, it was scary. Mm -hmm. It really was. I mean, opening up to people that, Especially a perfect stranger, right? Yeah, you don't know. And, uh, you know, who is this person? I didn't trust anybody, mm-hmm. which makes it even more difficult. And, um, and it, you know, it's definitely one of those things you got to, you know, it's about taking a risk. And, and again, I like I like what, you know, kind of you said, Richard, is that, I mean, you got to find the right person, too. That's what I was going to say, too, was, you know, I, I had been in and out of therapy all my life. But until I really, number one, really worked the therapy. And this is what I tell people. If it's too easy, you're not either telling the truth, you're not being fully honest, mm-hmm. or that's not the right therapist mm-hmm. for you, right? And so sometimes you, you do have to do some therapy shopping, yeah. right? Um, but when you're really fully engaged and you have the right therapist to do it with you, it's not always an easy task because you're looking at some ugly stuff that you have not wanted to face yeah. for, for however many years that you've been pushing that down and pushing it away, right? So you have to really work those. It's almost like AA, right? You got to work those steps. You got to really listen and engage and tell the truth and be honest and not be afraid that you're going to be judged because if you are being judged by a therapist, then you just need to go find yourself another one. Right. Um, you know, so it, it, it is definitely, I, I, you know, I tell anybody who's struggling to, to really kind of find their inner peace that sometimes therapy is the best mm-hmm. to me. I think the best thing, because like I said, you know, on the drive here was, um, you know, you didn't know the kids didn't know I was 100% suicidal, you know, before I called, um, before I called my therapist and and made that first appointment because I did, I didn't think I can live without my mom and my son on the streets and, you know, all that kind of stuff that was happening. And if I had not had that moment of clarity and said, look, I've got two other kids I've got to live this life for, at least for them, let me get this started, mm-hmm. you know, and, and fortunately I found the right one. Yeah. And I like Dr. Yeah. Seuss. I like Dr. Cause I, I like, know, I, I like, wish I had a Dr. Seuss. I like green eggs awesome. and ham. Yeah. <laughs> does, does green eggs, crazy I am, right? <laughs> and Sam I am, right? <laughs> well, but you know, like I said, you have to be, you know, a lot of people go to, you know, go to a therapist um, and they don't, they they tell them what they think they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they don't keep it one hundred percent real. Yep. And I think that's where you can fail when you're if you're going to therapy and uh, just say you know I, 
just tell me, tell me something, mm-hmm. you know, get, get, and so, but if you're not going there and being real or you get these other people, they go to therapy, they break out their really feelings. And then when they come out and they're on social media, all of a sudden they, they're living the perfect life. Yeah. For me, <laughs> you have to be real 100%. You know, like I am the biggest goofy guy you'll ever meet. If we meet, everybody's getting hugs. You know, that's the kind of guy that I am. You're going to meet this goofy guy anywhere I go. Yeah. And that's, and a lot of people, they just show their best facade on social media, but they're struggling. Like I, I was talking to somebody about a couple hours ago on my show and nobody ever thought that Robin Williams would, you know, kiss his wife goodnight. And then, fi- then they find him hanging in the closet the next day. Right. 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 You yeah. know, he, even though he was in therapy, he wasn't telling his own wife. Listen, I'm struggling, honey. Right. Right. Genuine. I mean, being genuine is is one of the greatest freeing things that you can be in life. When you can just be you. I always kind of joked about that with, you know, when I was a counselor. When I first started in the industry of being a counselor, you know, I kind of would go in and I would sit with the, you know, the the clients and act like I thought a way a counselor should speak and be, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. And uh and it sucked. I mean, it absolutely sucked. And then one day I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to be me. Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden it got so easy. Right. And I was just genuine with these people and I would talk to them and I would, you know, and I was real with them. Um, and I, and that's also where, you know, I started having great success with the unreachable, you know, what right. a lot of the people said were the unreachable, that, that kind of stuff, because it is just about being genuine with people. You know, as a counselor, it's about empathy. It's about building trust. You know, it's about getting down to the level that they are instead mm-hmm. of, you know, standing above them. Right. Like you know, teacher which or- is, you know, like the, the, the degrees. That's what I always mm-hmm. say with, you know, like you were saying, you know, Richard, like, you know, you, you know, obviously you don't have a, a master's or PhD or anything like that. But honestly, that sometimes works against you if you have those. Because, you know, when you are more of the real genuine person that, you know, you're not speaking in language that these people don't understand. I see that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, these these people with PhDs would come in and they'd be talking to clients and the clients would be like, I don't even know what the fuck this person's saying. Right, right. Like, what are you, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's the, that's what we're looking for. Genuineness. Right. Like last, last year, April 3rd, we had, I threw my own mental health summit. It was called Today I Decide, the three most impo- important words in the English language. And I was the keynote. And the first thing I opened up with is I'm like, listen, guys, this is not for 99% of you. So pick up your phones, go on Facebook, play around, because this is not for you. But for the one person that's struggling, this is for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, wait a minute. And when you tell somebody this is not for you, they, now all of a sudden all the ears perk up yeah. and say, why well, is it not for me? Right. <laughs> Who's yeah. he to tell me it's yeah. not for me, right? Yeah. Like, I, I want to yeah. listen now, right? Yeah. You say no, but I say yes, you know. Right. <laughs> but it's you know, being real with somebody and, and, and like, when you, you know, when you speak in a rehab, you speak in a prison or jail, if you're full of BS, they're going to find, they'll, they'll smell it out. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And then, and one addict will can smell out another addict. So I love what you said. You know, 
once you started getting real, then you started to be able to reach the untouchables. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, because, you know, and it's the same thing I say with our youth. I mean, I, the argument I always keep going back to is, you know, going in and teaching kids about drugs and teaching them, you know, about all this stuff and just say, no, drugs are bad and blah, 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 you know, and then you've got the kids in there that have done drugs and they're like, this person doesn't have any idea what they're talking about, right. you know, that there's got to be a different tactic that we can go. Right. You know, my way to go in there is to go in and say, you know what? I like to get high. Mm -hmm. Now I do a clean and sober, but let me tell you what that looks like. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so, you know, promoting, you know, something exciting, something real rather than, you know, just the fear tactics or, you know, things like that. Um, cause fear teaching, work, you know, and, but I also like my kids, my, I got a seven, a 19 year old, 17 year old and a nine year old. And when me and my wife first got together, every time I would go to an AA meeting on a Sunday morning, I would come back and I would buy donuts for the kids. Hmm. So now, even they say every time they hear the word AA, they think about Dunkin' Donuts and donuts. <laughs> and that. So it, I turned it into a positive thing. Yep, absolutely. That's awesome. Man. My kids, oh, yeah. My, my stepdad is a recovering alcoholic. He went to AA all the time. And if it came, I turned it into a positive instead of a negative thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's the, I mean, and that's the reality. I look at people in recovery, you know, you got a lot of people in recovery that are miserable. You know, they hate their life. You know, a lot of just kind of, you know, or, or the people that are like, you know, I feel, you know, uh, you know, it's unfair that I couldn't be able to do this responsibly and, you know, you know, all that kind of crap. And, and, uh, you know, but for those of us that are happy in sobriety, you know, that, that do appreciate it, you know, we find the excitement behind it. We don't, you know, focus on the negatives, but we focus on the positives, the mm -hmm. excitement, the gratitude, the appreciation, you know, the, you know, I appreciate sobriety today mm -hmm. you know well i think there's a lot of people too that are newly in sobriety that are miserable because they they can't see happy they can't see true happiness unless they're getting high even though that's not even true happiness either that's not and, at and all so it's that fear of change like how am i going to party and have a good time with my friends if I'm not over here getting high or, or, you know, drinking or, you know, those kind of things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just one of those things where you got to counselors or whatnot have to teach the newly, the newly recovering. There is, you have to take the steps mm -hmm. therapy, you know, take really take, um, inventory of what you truly want in your life. Mm -hmm. And those things, how quickly they can be taken away with drugs mm -hmm. and why you don't have them yet, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, and then if you're real and you have those experiences and you're able to really talk through with the, with the newer, um, you know, the newer addicts or the newer um, addicts in, a, you know, newer addiction, um, sobriety, it's important to just continue to be real with them yep. and say, and without judgment, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. Absolutely. And this is what the steps you <laughs> yeah. do. And guys. If you guys are out there listening to this, and if you go to AA or NA and you're just getting clean, do not start a relationship with anybody in that room. Amen. Because a lot of guys, girls, will start 13-stepping you, yeah. and you're both going to fail. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, if you guys are just getting clean and getting sober, don't have any kind of relationship for the first year. Have re- build a relationship with yourself. Yep. Don't worry about it with anybody else. Hey, Richard, we only got a couple minutes left. Um, and um, I wanted to ask you, um, is there anything specific you'd like to mention? No. Um, the only thing I would like to say, um, you know, for me, the three most important words in the English language are today, I decide. Because you don't, you can decide not to be the same person mm-hmm. that you woke up as to go to bed as. Mm-hmm. You can decide to change. And then once you make that decision, all you have to do is act upon it. Yep. So guys, just remember that you make the decisions of your life and that you can change your life in an instance. You just have to make the decision. Absolutely. Right. And uh, so you got your coffee coming out. Um, yeah. And uh, let everybody know real quick where you where they can go. Well, if they want to find out where the, uh, what I'm doing, um, something Gary Vaynerchuk taught me, that if they want to get in touch with me, find out anything that I'm doing, all they got to do is go into a toolbar, write the hashtag the comeback coach. It'll come up on every social media platform that I have, and it's free. Nice. So it's called the comeback coach, or you can check me out at Vertical Momentum Podcast. And we're everywhere. We're on every platform. Beautiful. Hey, Richard, I want to tell you, too, thank you so much for your service. And as a military mom now, <laughs> it just means a little bit more to me. I've always appreciated our military. But now that I have one of my own in the military, it's just that much stronger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that the parents are doing the same deployments yeah. as their kids. 100%. Yeah. Thank you for being a, 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 a military mom, and hopefully you'll never have to become a gold star mom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and the one thing, I, and we flipped this to a positive, definitely, is that he's in Germany, and it just gives us a reason to go to Germany. Absolutely. I can't <laughs> wait, right? Just don't go in October. Right. Got you. All right. Well, that's good. good thing. Well, you know, it's, we're in October, so maybe next year in the summer or something. But yep. <laughs> you know what? Oh, October fest for you. Uh, no, no, that's fine. Well, hey, I want to thank you, Richard, again um, for uh, for coming on our show today. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure, Richard. Thank you so much, and have a blessed night. I'm, yeah, and hang hang tight one second, all right? Yep. You're listening to What Were You Thinking? 